Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at the John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios, Tuesday night with you. About uh, 45 minutes away from first pitch for Braves baseball as they're in San Francisco to take on the Giants. Halfway home, 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show is follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. We'll get to um, That's Life coming up here in about 20 minutes as uh, we have young Garrett producing the show tonight because I don't know where our I don't know where any of our other producers are at this point. I, I don't know where Day Day is. I don't know where Dylan is. Uh, the only the only guy, in all honesty, the only producer that I know that I have that I know where he is is I talk to Jarvis every day. That's it. The the rest of everybody else, I I have no idea what we've got going on here. So, Young Garrett's with us here tonight producing the show. So, um, okay. Remember when everybody told me, because everybody said I was wrong and this, that, and the other. You know, I've not been the biggest Brian Snitker guy that's out there. I think that's pretty clear, right? I don't think he's one of the better managers and this, that, and the other. I think that there are a lot of things that he does really well, and there are a lot of things he doesn't do very well. But remember how y'all told me to trust Snitker and see how wrong you were, Chuck, for not believing and this, that, and the other? when they won the World Series. Okay, even though I told you for four years that why have they not, you know, gotten at least to the World Series? Anyway, so without going down that road. Well, now we're at a point where there's uh, fans that are very frustrated by the idea of Kenley Jansen continuing to close out games. They want to see Iglesias. And I've heard I've heard some of the the pundits say, that, you know, maybe give him a shot in this than the other. And Brian Snitker came out the other day when they blew that game in Seattle and said, you know, well, you know, he leads the league in saves. He's right. Well, he came out and pitched well on Friday. He was right about that. He's had, you know, a, a save in like three of his last four opportunities, whatever it was that he said. I wrote down the quote because I talked about it earlier today. He's right. So all of the people that told me to trust and believe in Snitker are now criticizing him for trusting and believing in Kenley Jansen or telling you to trust and believe in him, and they've got this. And I understand last year during the regular season all the angst at times that Will Smith gave people, all the heart palpitations and things like that. I get it. I understand. And at the end of the day, it worked out, did it not? Will Smith was outstanding in the playoffs in the World Series, right? So why are those same people? Why? No, let me put it this way. Why are many of you same people that told me to trust and believe and give Snicker the benefit of the doubt not doing that now when it comes to his closer? Because a couple of things. One is... Kenley Jansen is a closer. He's a potential Hall of Fame closer, and that's what his role is. There is no other role for Kenley Jansen. He's not your setup guy. He's not your right-handed specialist. He's not anything. He's not going to start. He's not an opener. He's your closer. That's the only thing that he does and knows how to do 
for your baseball team. Now, I understand 82.5% save percentage. It's not the best in the world. You know the guy that's number two in the NL in saves right now has more blown saves than Kenley Jansen. You know Iglesias that you all want, he's only 17 of 21 in save opportunities. He's 81% on the season. So all the same people that told me for the last year or so to trust Snitker, believe Snitker, don't hate on him, are now saying, well, we have to change or this, that, and the other after he's coming out and saying, we don't need to change. He's my closer. And I agree. I don't have an issue. Look, 82.5% is not exactly where you want it to be, but you're awfully dang close. And he does lead the league in saves. So if you told me to believe in Snitker, then then you need to heed your own advice and believe in Snitker now. That he's got this, he's got it figured out. And I'm with him on this. I'm not changing closers in September. Well, you know, Chuck, we're in the middle of a, of a divisional race. Okay, you weren't in one yet last year. You weren't trying to win the World Series last year? None of that mattered? There's nothing different about this year. All of your goals this year are the exact same as they were last year. And last year it was, see, Chucker, you are wrong. You didn't trust Brian Snicker. And now you all are on Twitter going, he needs to make a change. Huh? You can't have it both ways. You can't have a guy that leads the league and saves an 82% save percent. Now, look, there's a couple of things. One is, ideally, your closer would be at 90%. That's where you want. Because no closer other than Dennis Eckersley in 1992 is going to be 100%. You know, everybody thinks that closers are Dennis Eckersley from the early 90s. They say 46 of 4. Look, Jose, Jose Mesa for the Indians in 95 was unhittable. Jose Mesa, 97, had just as kind of almost good of numbers and couldn't get anybody out. And, and they lost in the World Series because he led in a couple of runs in that ninth inning in Game 7, couldn't hold the lead, and the, Mar- and the uh, Marlins came back and won that game in extra innings and won the World Series. But if I'm supposed to believe in Snitker, then you have to believe in Snitker. You don't get to straddle both sides of the fence for it. Yeah, he's a closer. They go through rough patches. Guess what? You know, your starters have had some rough patches. Your middle relief guys have had. Matzik's had some rough patches. Minter's had some rough patches. Jansen's had some rough patches. Do you know how many blown saves Edwin Diaz had last year? How many? Six. Okay. He was, I think it was about 80% last year. Yeah. And they were ready to run him out of, out of New York. I think, I think the biggest thing with, with all these Braves fans, that they see what's happening at Ed, with Edwin Diaz and the way everyone, all the Mets fans are getting up in arms about the, the walk-up song or whatever, but it's at the front of your mind. And so that's what a lot of these fans are seeing. And so they see Kenley Jansen blow a save, well, and they freak out, and but, they lose their mind. But and, the Kenley Jansen, they were, I mean, Edwin Diaz, they were about to run him out of town last year. And, and I understand that Patience. Jansen of late, has not pitched as well. I get that. But Snitker's right. Friday night, he was fine. 
had one of his better outings, then turned it around and blew another save. I get the optics of it, but you can't tell me to trust in Snitker and believe and then get frustrated that he's not making a change at closer. Sorry. Either you're ride or die like you wanted me to be, or you're not. And this is where you have to believe and trust in what Snitker does. You may not like it. I get that. I understand. But this is where you have to have trust and faith that he's got the right guy. Because there is no other role for Kenley Jansen. And you can't afford to just have a pitcher sit on your bench for a while to try to figure it out. He's not going down to the minors. He's not going away from his role. They're not DFAing him. They're not trading him or anything like that. He's your closer. And you have to ride him all the way through. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, then there'll be questions to answer. But either you have the trust and faith in the manager and what his decision-making is, or you don't. Because none of these guys are perfect. That's why I laugh about everybody thinks a closer is Dennis Eckersley in 1992 when he won the Cy Young and was the MVP of the league. They just come in there and blow people away night in, night out. They all have their rough patches. They all go through their spurts where they're not as good or dominant. The difference is when it's our closer, we watch it every single night. We watch it every day and night. We analyze it pitch by pitch. Because I'm reading things about, well, he's not throwing his cutter and this, that, and the other. I don't know. Ask the guy. If you're in the media and you're talking about his cutter, go down to the stadium and, and interview him and ask him about it about why he's not throwing her this any other. But the guy's a borderline Hall of Fame. He's now in the top 10 in saves of all time. He's not some ham and egger. He's been with two of the best franchises in Major League Baseball over the last few years, and the Dodgers and the Braves. He's gotten it done. Yeah, I don't, you know, anytime you blow a save, it kind of sucks. But that's also baseball. You know, very few guys hit all 162 games, right? Very few guys go from game one to game 162 with no no slumps in it. Starters, positional players, whatever. I get that the optics of late haven't looked good for him. But he's your closer, and this is the guy that the manager believes in. So if you told me that I got to believe and have faith, then you have to do the same thing. And then when the season is written, because Will Smith was the same thing. How many times did we hear about Will Smith? They got to sit him. They got to do this. They got to do that. Let's have Tyler Matzik, whatever. And Smith went out and was outstanding in the playoffs. And I'm sure Snicker is thinking the same exact thing. High leverage and all. Hey, same thing with Luke Jackson, right? A lot of us wanted to run Luke Jackson out of here. How many times did Randy McMichael get frustrated by what Luke Jackson did? And then there were moments, especially as you got into last year, that he looked like he was unhittable, right? I get it. I get what the optics and I get the look of it. And, and again, you know, I could care less about breaking down his cutter and this and the other. Again, if you have those questions, go to Rick Kranitz 
ask him. If you can't get a hold of Kenley Jansen, go ask Rick Kranitz before you start tweeting out about his cutter and his velocity rate and all this kind of stuff. Go ask Rick Kranitz or go ask him. Go get something set up with those guys. Go down the stadium and, and talk to those guys and ask them those questions. Get your media cred and go down there and ask them. But otherwise, you have to believe that the manager knows what this guy is. And this is his role. This is his role. This is what he does. And by the way, he's not blown seven saves in a row. There's not this long extended streak of blown saves for Kenley Jansen. He gets a couple here, a couple there, one here, one there. And I get it. 82% is not the best. Remember, this is the guy who last year was third in the National League in save percentage. Third. I don't know what I don't know where he is now. He was fifth a couple of weeks ago. He was fifth in the league in save percentage after being third last year. Last year he was about I think 86-87%. Will Smith was like around 85 to 86% save percentage last year. So, I would tell you, I don't think anything's going to change. Maybe here's what could happen. And I'm saying that this could realistically happen. All of a sudden, he'll have an elbow that flared up. And he'll go on a 10-day IL stint, and that's how they'll do it. If they're going to make a change, most likely it'll be he disappears on an IL stint for 10 days, and then they give the ball to somebody else. And guess what? They'll work on him while he's on IL because he's probably not really hurt and with him. And then when he comes off the IL, he'll be right back to closing. That's how you usually do it. If, if, if you really want to know how you make it work like that, you usually put him on IL for 10 days and then work on some stuff on side sessions and stuff with him and figure it out that way so that you just don't have a guy that sits on your bench and doesn't pitch. All right, when uh, we get back, it will be time for That's Life. Um, <laughs> crazy story about a kangaroo, plus our top ten as well. Chuck Ray Nikia Studios, Sports Right Now the Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921, live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, so you catch it on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316. A Peachtree Football Brings you Falcons coverage from the huddle of the locker room on as 92.9 The Game's Dylan Matthews. Who's that? And Bo Morgan. So now I know why my producer's never here. For freak's sake, he's always on some podcast or something. Uh, Peachtree Football, free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast from. No like, love for the College Football Game Time podcast? What are we talking about? Well, you, you didn't get on here because... I didn't make the list? No. No, uh-uh. Well, I'm, guess, I, I'm, I'm just the backup producer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, listen. I guess when I'm executive producer of the John Chuckery Show, I get my own podcast. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. Again, Sean Thompson said it best. Nobody wants to just produce anymore. Nobody wants to just produce anymore. 
He is so right. I texted him the other day. I said, that's the number one thing I will always remember that you told me is that nobody wants to produce anymore. Anyway, um, in Australia, a kangaroo killed a man. So it's believed that this guy was keeping this wild kangaroo as a pet, and it ended up injuring him to the point of it was the first fatal attack by a kangaroo. Ready? Since 1936. A 77-year-old man sustained serious injuries on his property Sunday in what's kind of a semi-rural area. Um, It's outside, it's southeast of the Western Australia capital of Perth. It's believed the man had been attacked earlier in the day by the kangaroo. The police, when they got there, though, the kangaroo was not allowing the paramedics to come and work on him. It was guarding the guy. So on one hand, he guarded him like he was his pet. On the other, he killed him. Kangaroos are mean, dude. Well, they shot and killed the kangaroo. Yeah. Oh, geez. Said the kangaroo was posing an ongoing threat to the emergency responders. The man died at the scene, and they'll list an official cause of death, but they believe that this guy was keeping this wild kangaroo as a pet. It says there are legal restrictions on keeping Australian native fauna as pets, but the police media office said Tuesday they had no information to make public regarding whether the victim had a permit or not. Uh, Tanya Irwin, who... um, Works for the National Animal Animal Rescue in Perth said that authorities rarely issue permits to keep kangaroos in Western Australia. It looks like it was an adult male, and they became and they become quite aggressive, and they don't do well in captivity. We don't know what the situation was, if he was in pain or why he was being kept in captivity. And unfortunately, they're not a cute animal; they're wild animals. Can I tell you exactly? This is why you don't keep wild snakes and kangaroos and wild animals. Can I tell you, I got this story from 11 Alive, and I'm looking here right now. There's a video of me playing down here in the bottom corner of this 11 on the 11 Alive website. Anyway, that's a whole other story cool. for another day. Yeah, Look like at I'm, you. I'm seeing myself on their website here. So as I'm reading you this article about kangaroos, they're playing a video of me. Um, <laughs> Don't go too big time on us, It John. says Kyle Pitts and Drake London need the ball, which they do. Anyway. I think we've heard that on the show before. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Rolling Stone was advertising this big article talking to Steph Curry about playing with Kevin Durant again. And the headline was, Steph Curry says, hell yeah, I'd play with Kevin Durant. Okay. If you read the article, which you can find at rollingstone.com, yes, he says, absolutely. When they came to me and said, do you want to play with him? Yes. But then he also goes on to say that, yeah, if we could have Draymond and Poole and Wiggins. and Okay, well, guess what? You won't have all those guys, Steph. If you have Kevin Durant, you have to trade for him. You're going to give up some of those guys that you want to play. So, yeah. Steph talks about in a perfect world, if we don't have to give up any of my teammates, then bring Kevin Durant in. But we all know that that's not going to be the case. So I understand, and, and this is what we do in the media, right? 
because because uh, again, I've got another article for a what's bug and Chuckery tomorrow about somebody who wrote about the L.A. Rams, and it's it's not really the context. It doesn't put anything into context, but it's still, you know. All, anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But when you look at this, when you when you read this article. Yeah, of course he wants to play with Kevin Durant, especially if they don't have to give up anything for him. The problem is you have to give up. That's why he's. That's why they weren't going to give him up. We're not giving him away for free. We have him under contract, and we're better to keep him than we are to just give him away for nothing. And that's what they decided out there. So you can read all of that on uh, at RollingStone.com and check out that article. All right, today is National Bald is Beautiful Day. So with that, as Garrett's a youngster with a full head of hair over there, <laughs> tonight's top ten list for today, yeah, Bald is Beautiful Day, tonight's top ten list is our top ten favorite bald guys, or I said bald girls. Maybe you like Sinead O'Connor, or I saw where um, um, Doja Cat Right, yeah. just chopped off all her hair or whatever. It's so, a new thing, I guess. So I mean, maybe, I don't know. Are are there many bald girls? There are a couple. There are enough nowadays, I guess. I don't know. I don't see them all that much, but yeah, maybe, I I, don't I can't remember anybody famous besides Sinead O'Connor. I'm sure that there are famous famous women who are bald, but outside of Sinead O'Connor, I don't remember anybody who was consistently bald. Yes. Doja Cat lopped off her hair, but she has hair. Yes, Britney Spears, you know, buzz cut it herself, but she normally has hair, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there are a bunch of famous bald girls, but the main, the only one that I remember is Sinead O'Connor. So with that, though, so if you want bald girls or bald guys, they're all up to you. Garrett, the floor is yours. All right, John Chuckery, I, I know that you're going to go heavy on the wrestling, so I decided I was going to go. I go. I went a little bit everywhere. Heavy okay. on wrestling, but I got I got other people as well. Well, I figured you were going to go wrestling, so mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, go a different direction okay. with some of these. I'm going to go Charles Barkley. Yep, he's Charles on Barkley. my list. Okay, that's a good one. Who doesn't like Charles Barkley? Uh, he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. I mean, I read an article. He's like the most valuable person in in, um, in media, sports oh, yeah. media. Yeah, he's I, the, I think that's probably right. He's the biggest needle mover in media. Why else? Who else would go after him? Live Golf went after him. Right. A basketball commentator. Why? Oh, because he matters. Because he moves the needle. By the way, that, interesting. that whole show is bald guys. It's and that all whole bald show guys. was tremendous. Which, speaking of of that show, I'm going to go to another one. Okay. Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Shaquille O'Neal. Probably the most in- physically dominating athlete in the history of sports. One of, if not the greatest, as far as just physical domination. Yeah. There, Shaquille I mean, O'Neal. Obviously, nobody physically ever looked like Shaq to be... To that be seven size foot and three, that, yes. 300 pounds and move like a gazelle. It's just unheard of. Uh, another basketball player, Michael Jack. Uh, excuse me, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. Just the brand of baldness was uh, was just Michael Jordan. I mean, the dude's yeah, dominant. He was. I mean, you know, and that that it's interesting that you say it like that because he made he did kind of make baldness a brand. Yeah. Like he did. That was that was really part of the gimmick, if you will, is the shoes, the bald head. I mean, he really did kind of make package. that whole thing into a gimmick. Yes, yeah, it was a whole package. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he's on probably my list one as well. of the coolest people. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't think there's there's much. And and he looks way better bald than he does with hair. 
Like if you I'd see him, so, like yeah. if you see him in like coming to America with hair, okay. But then you see him in Black Shaft. Sneak, was it Sneak Moan? Oh, shoot. Shaft. See him in Shaft. Like he looks great in Shaft when he's bald. Like that's how Samuel L. Jackson should look: is is bald or uh, Nick Fury when yeah. he's Nick Fury. Black Sneak Moan. You, you know that movie? He has uh, the hair, the wild hair. Yeah, it's I mean, just kind one, of a that one is intentionally kind of wild. It's kind of creepy. Go but. go look at Coming to America. Or you know, obviously he had a perm for. Um, uh, what what do you call? Um, oh God, the Tarantino movie, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, had yeah, like a perm well, for Pulp that Fiction. One. No, yeah. So I mean, it's a little bit over the top, but it but was like, intentionally over the yeah, top. Yeah, but I look bet. at like Coming to America, where he has hair. He okay. doesn't. He doesn't look nearly as good as he does like when he's a Shaft or Nick Fury. Patrick Stewart. Eh, he's lame. You think he's lame? I think he's lame. Okay. Well, I, you know what? He's actually. I, I like him as Professor X. I love him as Professor X. Uh, he was I could care less about him as as Star Trek, whatever. I don't know. What was <laughs> his name? Kirk? Jean-Luc Picard. Or Picard? Not yeah. Kirk. No, no, he, Captain Kirk was William Shatner. Yeah, that's right. Um, who's who, who's not bald, but he's got a hairpiece. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, got a, he's got a, he's got the toupee stuck on there. No, he's got a muskrat stuck up <laughs> on top of his head. Is what that what that is. But I'm not I'm not the biggest Patrick Stewart guy. Okay, that's fair. Sean Connery. Yeah, he's dead, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. Probably one of but the But he coolest. wasn't bald when he was James Bond. He wasn't bald when he was James Bond, but he was bald his whole life. Yes. Uh, the, the second half of his life, at least the most of the time that I knew him. And he was cool the entire time. The most impersonated person, probably. At one least, of, uh, at, let me put it like this. At least you knew that he played James Bond. I promise oh, you, come the on. other guy. No. Oh, no. Actually, I've talked to him about his movie. Yeah, that's. Yes. Yeah, he respectfully. Wouldn't be, he wouldn't have even known that he played James Bond. Yeah, he didn't know that. He, th- he said, what, that. Um, you could name what three '80s movies? Right. I asked him to name Brutal. three movies from the 1980s, and he couldn't name anything. You could have said Star Wars and gotten at least one. Well, well, no, you'd have had to. The 77 the, was the, was the first. Was right. The four. But you'd have had. But you'd have had I to think say 79 was the was no. Five. The, the next was one, the, the the first one was in 77. Yeah. But it was early. The, the next two were the early 80s. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like it was like 81 said, and 83 is when. When you know when um, uh, Return of the Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back, were, yeah, they, those well, were eighties movies. But he didn't even say that though. He said Top Star Gun. Wars. He didn't know oh. Top Gun. Oh, he didn't know anything. Yeah, oh, that's tough. You see well, what I work with? I mean, <laughs> Larry David. Larry David. Talk about another guy mm-hmm. from the eighties, nineties. Larry David, probably one of the funnier dudes. Uh, just hysterical person. Uh, somebody who's not very funny. Someone who you may or may not know. Lord Voldemort. Do you know who that is? Who? Lord Voldemort. I, I don't know. Harry Who, Potter? What? You know Harry Potter at all? Harry Pooper? No, <laughs> I don't know any of that. No. Lord Voldemort. He who he who must not yeah, be named. Somebody, somebody did. <laughs> very so, famous. Very somebody famous brought, somebody brought up the 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 uh, on the text line Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. I guess I guess she is she is bald right now. Yes. <laughs> for for differing reasons. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Hysterical. One of my favorite comedians. Yeah. Uh, and my last one. I was kind of torn between some. I'll, I'll just give it to Dick Vitale. I love Dick Vitale. Where's the mustard? He's hysterical. Love it. Do you do a Dick Vitale impersonation? Not very Can you well. do one? That's what, it was just one. Where's the mustard? There's the mustard. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Ooh, that was painful. Um, I've got Charles <laughs> Barkley on my list. Um, I've got Mike Tyson on my list uh, as well. Okay. Um, I almost said Mike Tyson. The uh, the actor Stanley Tucci. I've got him on my list. Uh, Jason Statham. 
is on love my list. Jason love Jason Statham. Statham. Love him. Sam Jackson is on my list. Okay. Bruce Willis is on my list as well. Love me some Bruce Willis. Yeah, All I right. hate the news about Bruce Willis too. Yeah, that was I, that's that, awful. That breaks my yeah, heart. Yeah, that, that, that is. I mean, it it, it really is. I mean, that kind of disease and everything too, just Terrible. awful. That affliction. All right, let's get into a few wrestlers. The Rock. Here we go. Got him on my list. Goldberg. Um, and then second on my list here, I've got Vern Troyer, Mini Me. Oh yeah, Vern Troyer's on my list. And number one, of course. The one, the only. Did you have the music? It's in the open somewhere. Okay. So number one, of course, is Stone Cold of Steve course. Austin, who used to be stunning Steve Austin with the Hollywood blondes, and he had the whole, you know, blonde hair and, you know, had all the gimmick and everything like that. Then he came the ringmaster and then said, you know what, this buzz cut and all this ain't working for me. Let me go bald with a goatee. Right? And you know what happened? Do you know what happens when you're bald and have a goatee in wrestling? You get run over by a car. Ooh. When we come back, Ken Segura will talk some Georgia Tech football with him. Chuck Ray hanging out in the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show, live in this Tuesday evening as we get ready for another busy weekend of college football here, especially locally as Georgia Tech going to take on Old Miss, a very interesting ACC-SEC matchup. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Ken Segura. He, of course, covering all things Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of Ken's work. Follow him on his Twitter page at at, excuse me, K Segura, AJC. And Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. A new season of Georgia Tech football, so always good to talk some uh, tech with you. For sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on, John. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where we're at. You know, this may not be fair, but this is kind of what I've talked about is it really does feel like everything is on Jeff Sims' shoulders this year, that they're going to go – as far as they can take him. And I know they got to run and play defense. I get all that stuff. But it does feel like Sims is the real X factor to whether or not this will be a successful or another frustrating season for Tech football. Uh, I'd agree with some to, some, to, to a degree. I mean, I think, too, I guess it, it kind of goes hand in hand. But certainly I think the biggest change that Jeff Collins made uh, with his coaching staff was getting rid of Dave Patnode and hiring to belong and so I think you know it, sort of his job to belong is you've got to come in and, and make this offense work and so obviously a big piece of it he's, he's a defense but um, you know his play calling his scheming and stuff I think is a, is a big part of it too but certainly yeah there's you know a, a lot on Jeff's shoulders Jeff Sims' shoulders also. How much do you think the offense has evolved now that you have Sims uh, that's what in his third year uh, with the program you know, mm-hmm. he's still their second leading rusher, but how much do you think that the offense itself has evolved now here at this point under Coach Collins? Um, I mean, I think you look at it, I, it does look a bit different. And obviously we're only two games in with, with Chip Long running things. You know, he's, he's a lot of different form, you know, personnel packages. It seems like he's, you know, he had a good game plan 
as good a game plan as you can have against uh, Clemson and that defense. Um, you know, for instance, like, you know, they, um, in the third quarter against uh, Western Carolina, you know, the game was essentially out of reach. But, you know, they put out uh, basically Paul Johnson's old double slots formation, which is something, you know, obviously kind of uh, out of left field a little bit. And I, my guess is, you know, he was like, this, let's see if this works. And, and whether it does or it doesn't, we're going to give Ole Miss and every other team, you know, more to have to, to deal with, you know, as far as having to spend practice time and game plan time on it. And so things like that. And just, you know, just it seems like he's getting guys in the right spots and, and putting guys in, in space, as they say. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, I think it is taking a step. You, you kind of wish you could have seen what he could have done with, with uh, Jameer Gibbs in the backfield um, and, and probably a better line. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, you know, we'll see whether they have a number tweak out just because I think personnel is different, but I think it's it's moved forward in, in the third year. Talking some Georgia Tech football with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Ken Segura here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Dante Smith, a guy who already is at a third of the carries that he had last year and already at half the carries from the year before, it seems like that his career as he's progressed and now he's in that you know, fourth year with the program, really getting a chance to be the lead back. Really good yards per attempt number, some touchdowns already. Seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be a, a really nice piece for this offense moving forward. I think so. I mean, you know, last year and, and years before, he was behind Jemias Griffin and, and Jordan Mason and uh, obviously Jameer Gibbs. But when he got the ball, he, he made stuff happen. And, uh, and so that's, that's carried on. This season, he you know he's got a nice mix. So he can run. He's fast, but he's also agile. Can you know make guys miss, but also has some, some strength to break tackles. Um, and so yeah, you, you're seeing that. I, you know, it's, it'll. I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens. I, if memory serves, I think Dylan McDuffie actually started against Western Carolina. I don't think Dante started either against um, Clemson, but he certainly has gotten the, the bulk of the carries. Has, has earned them certainly. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I assume this will continue just because he's been so productive. But uh, yeah, he's he's having a nice season. And the funny thing is, like, yeah, ever the big deal everyone made last year was about junior leaving, but also Jordan Mason is now in the NFL. He's on a 49ers roster. Uh, Jemias Griffin transferred out too, and at Oregon State. So he was he was the number three, three and a half, I guess, three guy. But uh, so he yeah, he's made a a good jump, and so far, just you know, in two games, has has shown that he uh, deserves that spot. Ken, we always like to talk about the wide receivers. I'm a big fan of Malachi Carter. I think I, I think he's a really nice player. And with him, mm-hmm. with Jenkins, McCollum's, it feels like they have a pretty good group of wide receivers, not just kind of one guy and a bunch of just kind of hangers-on. It feels like right. as a group that this is a, a pretty productive group that they have. Yeah, um, Malachi Carter uh, has been productive, not always super consistent, but you know can, can go get the ball. Um, has made it you know a lot of big plays for for Tech over the last couple of years. Um, EJ Jenkins, the transfer from South Carolina, uh, certainly you know you, you notice his size. He's six seven. I think he's two forty, two forty five, um, and can be a matchup problem. And then Nate McCollum, uh, a slot receiver, has been probably their number one guy. You would say over the first couple of games. Um, so those, those three, yeah, you feel like they can make plays for you. I'm sure if you compare them with other threesomes across. The way you'd find better ones, but you know, I think they can they can do the job. Um, you know, actually, Jeff Collins said today that you know, he's, and I think they're they're 
um, happy or, or content is this other word, but they feel like Nate's the number one and they need some more guys to be a little more consistent, I think, in making plays from an offense. And obviously some of that is on Jeff Sims' shoulders and on Alvin Lawrence's shoulders too. But, um, but yeah, I think you're, I think they're hoping that someone like Malachi or EJ can really become a consistent force in that, in that offense. Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline as we talk some Georgia Tech football. You know, Ken, they've already got seven sacks this year. And, you know, if we go back in Jeff Collins' history, his M.O. is a defense that makes those, quote-unquote, havoc plays, make life right. tough for the quarterback, blitzing, doing what you got to do, getting after, creating turnovers and things like that. We've seen little blips and bloops of that over the last couple of years, and especially a couple of years ago we saw – more of that. How much do you think that this defense is getting on track and in, in maybe getting into what Jeff Collins' identity really is for what he wants out of his defense? Um, I mean, you likely seen, uh, you know, that there's not probably enough of a sample size for me to make any, you know, brand judgment. But but I think certainly the one thing that or one thing that sticks out is, is Keon White. He you know he was a transfer a year ago from Oldman and then had a lot of hype attending him, and but couldn't play because he was hurt for most of the year. And he's someone that Jeff Collins talked a lot about in the preseason, is being excited to see him play and using kind of that. You know, like he's not Jeff isn't someone that typically talks about players like that, but I think he's indicating that you know he could be something special. And I think he's he's, he's so far in, in two games at least he's, he looks like he's someone who's going to cause problems for proposing offenses off the edge. Um, so that's that's a good thing for for the defense. Uh, Charlie Thomas is another guy who's who's really, uh, you know, been been kind of a guy that's hard to take your eyes off of, just making plays all over the field. He's he's only been able to play a, you know two two halves because of a targeting penalty. But, um, but yeah, so I think you have those two pieces, and it looks like maybe the defensive line is going to be a little better than you thought. Sylvain Yonjuin is a guy that has been making some plays. Um, and so many guys inside are also noticing a little bit. Um, you know, four of the sacks were against uh, Western Carolina, and you take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, three of them were against Carolina, Clemson, which is significant. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that this game Saturday against Ole Miss will, will tell a lot more about kind of really both sides of the ball, but particularly like you've been inside against a really – explosive offense in Ole Miss about what they can do. Let's look ahead to Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin not announcing yet who his starting quarterback is going to be, but one thing is for mm-hmm. sure, they have a premier elite running back in Zach Evans back there. How much is, you know, for lack of a better term, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is the most accurate term, but selling out against Zach Evans, you can't let him go out there and beat you because he's that kind of player. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I think – and exactly the way he approaches defense, and this is obviously coming from Jeff Collins, is that you stop the run first and and, and go from there. And obviously, they, you know they they are aggressive, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, if if you can't stop, like you said, if you can't stop the run, then then you're in a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, I, I I'm you know I'm not quite what they'll do defensively, but uh, but they they typically play a four or two five, and I would think you would see that maybe maybe you have you know put a lot of emphasis on having your linebackers, you know, Charlie Thomas and AC Lee, you know, really committed to, to you know, slowing down the run game. But, uh, but yeah, uh, if, 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 if they will stop the run, then, you know, that not only doesn't bode well for, for Saturday, but, but down the road, because like I said, I mean, they did well against, um, against uh, Western Carolina. They actually played pretty well against, against Clemson too, but, 
but this will be a good test, and they'll, they'll see plenty more good running backs down the line. So this will be a, a good measure of what they can do. You know, Ken, as we, you know, last question for you here. When we kind of look mm-hmm. at this season, um, you know, lots of questions about Jeff Collins and what his future is going to be with the program. And, you know, I've said – not so much this week, but, you know, the Central Florida game, um, who just lost mm-hmm. on Friday night to uh, Louisville. And, right. you know, that's the swing game to me because, you know, Pitt, Old Miss here, we obviously had Clemson already. You knew you were going to beat Western Carolina, but, you know, if you can find a way, I think, you know, to beat Central Florida and maybe be, you know, two and three, maybe let's say worst-case scenario – in your first five games, I feel like that's okay. But if they get off to a one and four start, which is definitely possible mm-hmm. given the way the schedule mm-hmm. is, can Coach Collins survive that? I mean, can he survive if they're one and four? Forget how they've played. I mean, one and four is still right. one and four in a season where right. you want to see some progress. Can he survive that? I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's certainly a very valid question. I mean, I, I wouldn't say. No, he's completely safe. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, for sure it, that's it. Um, I think probably some it would depend on how they how those four games have gone. But I think if they get to that point, yeah, they're the heat will certainly be a lot hotter on on, uh, on Todd Sansbury and, and on El Cabrera, the school president, for, to do something because uh, you know, as, as everyone knows, the whole kind of narrative of this is year four and. and it, Going to start showing something, and yeah, if you're one and four going into Duke, who now is two and zero and certainly looks better, um, and then you go into the bye, and they kind of leave that window to, to potentially do something. It's yeah, it's it's conceivable, certainly. Yeah, I think his predecessor was the one who said at some point the results have to match the expectations, right? There has to be <laughs> something that goes along with yeah. it. So follow him on Remember Twitter, well. yeah. at, at K. Segura, AJC, covering all things Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com, by the way, is where you can check out all of Ken's work. Check him out there, and he joined us on the waitfor.com hotline. Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah. We'll chat again soon. My pleasure. Anytime, John. You got it. John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio, not the game, and the Odyssey.com app.